there are individuals who exist beyond the binary of male and female. Some of these individuals may have pronouns that are different than he or she. Pronouns are super, super important. And what we need to do is learn to normalize. You should never assume a person's pronoun. It's quite all right to ask them what their pronoun is. That person's going to appreciate that you ask them. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this fortnight's episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. Today I am joined by Shannon Whittington. Shannon is an RN and MSN, an award-winning clinical nurse educator, published author and certified speaker with the John Maxwell team. Her expertise includes servant leadership and LGBTQ plus inclusion. Shannon conducts corporate trainings and has presented virtually and live to various organizations and conferences across the nation, that being the USA, and delivering well-received presentations. Welcome, Shannon. It's lovely to have you on the show. I am delighted to be here, Elena. Thank you so much for this invitation and opportunity. It's great to have you here. And we were just discussing how you're in America and I'm here in Perth. And it's actually different days right now because it's evening with you and morning with me. So how amazing is it that we can have this conversation? It's incredible. Yeah, it's very cool. So I'm really excited to jump in and discover some stuff today. I'm sure you're going to educate me because as I was saying to you before we started the show, the LGBTQ plus community is ever evolving and I fall behind very quickly. So I'm really excited to have this conversation and you can educate myself and the listeners on how to care for this community in our society today. Yes. I mean, you know, in America, the average healthcare professional receives about 2.12 hours of education in LGBTQ+. I'm talking about nurses. Now, I get a new nursing student every semester from Ivy League to no league, and I ask them, and nine times out of 10, they say, no, I did not get any education in this. And I was exactly the same 
And, you know, it's even more embarrassing because I'm gay myself, you know, and I went through my entire uh, undergraduate, graduate, now in my doctoral level. And this isn't talked about even today. It's the exception instead of the rule. So I want to normalize this across the country. That's my platform. That's my goal. That's what I want to leave this earth having done. So I'm happy to do a little bit of that with you today and the folks in Perth. Beautiful. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with normalize. It is time to normalize this and bring it in as an accepted part of the world that we live in now because it still sometimes gets kind of put in the corner it's like that elephant in the room isn't it almost it is the elephant in the room and I do a lot of trainings where I actually I do corporate trainings you know for organizations and for healthcare organizations non-healthcare organizations and the first thing I do is put an elephant up on the screen yeah and I said let's talk about this some of you want to be here and some of you don't Some of you have no problem with this population and some of you have a big problem with this population. But here's the thing, there are over 10 million LGBT people, which means that we are in your organization. We're nurses, we're doctors, we're healthcare professionals, we're patients, we get sick, we seek health care. So it behooves us as healthcare professionals to know how to take care of us. Now, The argument can be, well, Elena, you know, I treat all my patients the same. Well, that's the problem. You can't treat all your patients the same because we're not the same. We have our own health disparities. And it's important that we start learning about these disparities and how can we provide patient-centered care for these individuals without pathologization, without demoralization, stigmatization, discrimination. You know, uh, I was just attending, a, I was doing a Facebook Live earlier earlier today with a doctor who specializes in trans health with HRT, hormone replacement therapy. And his latest research said that 28% of trans people are rejected because they're trans by their healthcare professionals. Now I know that number's higher. Um, I've had experience. I mean, I'm just gay. Okay. That's enough, but I can't tell you how many pregnancy tests I've had to take. Why would I have to take a pregnancy test if I'm gay, but I'm forced to take pregnancy tests, you know? So that's just one of the things that's wrong with how we're delivering care to this population and even being asked when's the last time you had sex with the men um, you know, those kind of questions. I'm like, well, I'm gay, so I can pretty much guarantee you I'm not pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never even thought of that before. God. <laughs> you, and, you know, you kind of don't. And it's no fault of your own. It's really, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, do you blame Johnny or do you blame the teacher or do you blame the school system? You know, do we blame ourselves? Do we blame our educational system? Do we blame our places of work? I mean, we've hidden for so long here in America, over 50% of LGBTQ plus people hide in the workplace. Why do we hide? Well, we hide because we're afraid of being discriminated against. 
we're afraid of being passed over for promotions. I just had a person DM me yesterday on LinkedIn, a trans woman, and she said, I've lost my job for the second time in three weeks because I'm trans. Now, she said, they said, oh, you know, I didn't learn the training properly. I wasn't able to perform the job, she said, but they wouldn't give me the training. So there was no way I could know how to do it if they didn't show me how. So, you know, there's a, it's a long way to go. You were just telling me you, you all legalized same-sex marriages two years ago. Yeah, it's around about that. It's not that long ago. I know that for sure. That's not. But that's progress. Yeah. Feeling that. Yeah. You know, at least you did it. It wasn't that many years ago here. Yeah. In New York. No. You know. I don't know if you know much about my model of self-care, but when I first started promoting self-care to nurses, I realized very quickly that it often gets associated with things like bubble baths and trips to the day spa. And actually there is so much more to it. So I broke it down into a model and I look at the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgent aspects of our self-care so we can have a holistic approach to it. Mm -hmm. What would be your idea of indulgent self-care? Besides the bubble baths? Yeah. <laughs> what can be the bubble baths? Yeah. Listen, my, like, my mental is so important because I give, and we do this as nurses, we're just, it's just who we are. I give so much of myself, you know, to my patients and through my clinicians, right? Because I don't, patient face anymore but I talk to trans patients all day and I'm giving and supporting and empathizing and then I'm supporting the nurses who maybe this is their first time taking care of a post-operative transgender patient who's just got a new vagina you know they're a little bit nervous they've never done it before they took the training they're eager to do it but they're nervous so I'm supporting them and I do a lot of talks you know, I do a lot of speeches and things like what I'm doing now, which is like what I absolutely love. But what I find out is that after, like if I, if I just give like a one hour speech or a 45 minute speech or do a webinar afterwards, I'm exhausted. Like, I feel like I've ran a marathon, which I've never done. Probably will never do. Okay. And I realized that I have to do something that's going to nurture me and fill me back up or else the next one that's scheduled for tomorrow or the next day I'm going to be completely depleted yeah so I have to spend time and so in introspection with myself if I'm sleepy I don't care what time it is I'll take a nap I don't try to force myself to stay awake because it's not the time to sleep I don't feel guilty about doing that um I go to bed early all my friends laugh at me, but um, I th that works for me. Going to bed at eight thirty, <laughs> you know, eight thirty p.m., nine o'clock. Getting up at four thirty-five works for me. I do that on the weekend. I do that on Sundays. But that's how I nurture myself so that I can give back because I love giving back. You know, I love sharing my empathy and my knowledge with other people, empowering other nurses, clinical transformation, like it's just like I'm on crack, if I ever knew how that felt. That's how much joy it gives me. 
just how much of a high it gives me. So I, I realized I have to do those things. And then there's some days where I just do nothing. And I don't beat myself up about that either. Sometimes my wife wants me to watch a movie with her. I'm not really that into it. But you know what? Happy wife, happy life. You know, it nurtures our relationship. Yeah. And that's awesome. It sounds like you've got really good boundaries and you know where they are. You know, you're going to go to bed at 8.39. I'm exactly the same. I go to bed at the same time every night. I've got two young energetic boys that the listeners all know about. And they're up at five every morning. So I need to be in oh. bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock. Because, yeah. Oh, yes, you do. I just have a dog and that's enough. Wow. Energetic boys, they, they truly are. But, you know, it wasn't always like that. When I was younger, I let mm-hmm. society dictate to me, you know, how things should be. But once you get a certain age, you're like, listen, I'm doing what I need to, I need to yeah, do. Yeah, and it's looking after you. you know? That's awesome. Because I know personally, if I don't get eight hours quality sleep, I'm not a nice person. You know, I'm grumpy. I'm irritable. So mm-hmm. I'm being kind to everyone as well mm-hmm. as myself by making sure I get enough sleep. Because when I'm not sleeping well, I'm not the best version of myself exactly no one is no so yeah that's awesome you're incorporating lots of different aspects of the model into there into your indulgence I like your model yeah thank you I just thought it was easier to break it down for people to understand rather than just Mm -hmm. think of you know the day spa where that does you know it serves us well, but it only lasts for a couple of days. And then we're back to where we started feeling depleted because we're not putting the other strategies in place as well to support it. So, yeah, you, you got to do those other strategies. I will tell you, though, like prior to COVID, I went for a facial every month. Nice. And I absolutely loved that. It was an hour and a half facial every month. I went religiously. I probably have so many things in my nose right now my esthetician would scream if she saw it but you know it was just a way for me to nurture myself and it it, you know made my skin feel good I just felt good doing it it was something for me you know yeah definitely and that's what's important it's what brings you joy and lights you up and makes you feel nurtured and pampered and celebrate you Mm -hmm. we have to be our own biggest fans and celebrate and love ourselves so true you spoke a minute ago about COVID I don't usually mention this but I'm really intrigued you said you live in New York uh-huh have you been involved in the unfolding of the pandemic there well how should I answer you know what I'm just going to be completely honest with you I was on this I was on the cert team right at COVID for months talking to COVID positive nurses and aides and family members who had died it was Uh, you know, I got, I got redeployed because elective surgeries were canceled. So my job job during the daytime is, you know, teaching clinicians how to take care of trans patients after surgery. So that was completely um, shut down. And so I was on this cert team. Let me tell you something. I was talking to sick people all day, every day, eight hours, five days a week. And you know, my wife, everything was shut down. So my wife was like, babe, you got to go upstairs and do that. Like after a few days, she was like, I just can't. 
And I'd had to figure out a way not to <laughs> kind of like what you say, don't bring it home with you. You know, you leave your patients at the hospital. I had to figure out a way to separate that once I hung up that phone at 430. Because for the first couple of weeks, it was sucking the life out of me. The, the one story that I'll never forget is a young man who caught COVID, didn't know he had it, caught it from another aide who he relieved at this patient's house. Therefore, the patient caught COVID from the aide okay. and the patient died. And the aide said, I know I killed my patient. And he said, I'll never be able to forgive myself. He said, because my patient didn't go out. And I said, but you didn't willingly do that. You unknowingly transmitted this to the patient or the other aide who you caught it from. There's no guarantee it was you. But he said, I just, you know, and it was, you know, people were scared to work. You know, there was PPE issues where everyone couldn't get it. Yeah. And I had an intern, a nursing intern. She had just started. She was going for her bachelor's and she just disappeared, you know, and I couldn't get her. I didn't know what happened. And a few weeks later, she told me she was, she was a psych nurse. She got deployed to a COVID ER and her boss was one of the first people to die of COVID in his 40s because it was before. Yeah. So those kind of stories oh just kind of stick with me, you know. And uh, even though, like, it's been a year, yeah. I've been home a year, I'm loving working from home, you know, I'm doing so many other things, writing books, speaking, just developing courses, all kind of things I never could have done. I had a three-hour commute beforehand, you know? Wow. So, yeah, I don't usually like to talk about COVID either, but it came up, so it came out. Yeah, I I can't even imagine what it must have been like. I mean, I'm so grateful to be where I am because we're in this little bubble here in Paris. You know, I, I had to make a decision because I'm up here in a hot spot. A few months later, my mom gets sick. And then that's a hot spot. So I'm leaving one hot spot for another hot spot, getting on a plane. I mean, you know, all I could, and I was like, do I go down there and risk getting COVID on the plane, trying to go take care of my mom or stay here? What's more, you know, it was just so hard. And, you know, I ended up flying down there and taking care of her, but it was really difficult. Yeah, it's, uh a huge emotional dilemma isn't it at the moment like my my family are all in Scotland and some of them have been sick with COVID and I am not allowed to leave Australia mm. so, you know I, I know it's completely different we don't have any COVID here in Perth but um I don't know when I'll see my family again because Australia's just announced yesterday the international borders staying closed until at least June. I mean, it's been shut for a year already. But that's why you don't have COVID. Yeah, I know. And I'm, I am not protesting against it. I think it's wonderful that we are being protected the way we are. Yes, you don't want it. No, we don't. We have one case here in Perth about four weeks ago. 
that one case triggered a five-day lockdown. Within five hours, we were locked down for five days. And then when we came out of it, we had nine days of mask wearing. Just And luckily, that one case didn't become any more than one. And within 14 days, we were back to normal again. So what's your population there? Perth's population is 1.5 million. It's, a vet, it's the most isolated city in the world, Perth. So in the West Australian border, so we're in West Australia, um, it is, it's been closed since I think it was April they closed it. And it does open up to the states who are, oh, they've zoned them all by risk. And um, we do open up when the other states are low risk, but the minute they get cases and move up into like medium risk, they, they shut the border to those specific states again. So yeah, they are keeping it very controlled here, which looking out to the rest of the world and listening to my family back home, you know, I'm very grateful to be in such a fortunate position right now and listening to yourself, you know, as healthcare providers, we're going out there with love in our hearts and compassion and doing what we can for our patients. So, you know, hearing that story of your aid, I can't even imagine what that must feel like because it was completely unwittingly done, you know, but this is why we have to stay home and look after ourselves at the moment, isn't it? So we don't end up in situations like that. And, yeah. It is, you know, we just drove to uh, FedEx in the bank about an hour ago and I don't I don't go out much at all like walk the dog up the street and back and it's just been like that you know we have to go out we wear a mask we have to go to Costco or something then we come right back I just I just don't want to go out to eat and some of the places are open but it's just it's not worth it and, and, and knowing how many different strains there are and the worst ones and you know the, the ones that cause DVTs and multi-system failure and all that kind of stuff to the just ones that you recuperate at home I don't you know I just don't want any of it but we were driving and we pulled into the shopping center for FedEx and every single store was closed and out of business with for lease signs oh. in the window except for the Staples which is like a big store for you know smart uh, office supplies and the bank everything else and you just drive down the street now and that's what you see in New York, it is for lease, for lease, for lease, for lease. There will be a Starbucks open. Yeah. For lease, for lease, for lease, for lease, McDonald's. You know. You can't even comprehend it. I mean, this world that we're going to emerge back out into when the whole this is over is going to be so different to the one that we were in. It's going to be a new world. Yeah, yeah it is. And it's just preparing ourselves for that, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, just getting to grips with it all. Anyway, we've digressed again. <laughs> but Stop that's so it, interesting. <laughs> no, it's it's I I'm, this podcast the listeners all know it's very organic. It just takes its own kind of um journey through the conversation. So if you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try, why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief. It's 12 minutes of pure self-care. We spoke about being the best versions of ourselves earlier when we're talking about sleep. And I always say, you know, as nurses, we should be endeavoring 
to be the best versions of ourselves because when we're turning up as that best version of ourselves we're delivering the best care to our patients and we're being the best colleagues we can to our colleagues so who or what inspires you to be the best version of yourself it's for me it's my inner self I don't know if that makes any sense but I feel like I have an obligation to my inner self my higher power, super consciousness, whatever it is you want to call it, I feel like I'm obligated to that to be the best version of me. I don't know if that makes any sense. And for me, yeah, yeah, okay, for, for me, the best version of me is to be in a constant state of learning. Because for many years, I stopped learning. I was so traumatized by nursing school that once I passed those boards, I said, that is it. I am never, ever opening another book again because that's how horrible it was. I don't know why they do that, um, make it so, so hard um, because I, I was a good nurse, you know, but to weed out the weaklings, I don't know, but it was super, super traumatic for me, so much so that um, I decided to stop learning. And that went on for a long time. You know, one day my sister said, how's that working for you? I'm like, it's working just fine. And then I started to get older and realized that I wasn't being the best version of myself. Like, how can you stop learning? How can you stop learning as a person? How can you stop learning as a nurse? As a nurse, how can you stop learning when evidence-based practice is being studied every day and we're learning new things that need to be translated? We're learning things that are we're still doing that are 17 years old, you know, before it comes down to the actual translation into practice. How can you stop learning that? And that's when I made a decision to continue my education and go back for my master's and learn as much as I can. And then when you learn, you teach. So that's where I am now. I'm always striving for something big, bodacious, shaking your boots. Like you're crazy to think you could do something like that. That's how I be my best version. I love that. I love I'm here, it. I'm looking right here at my vision board that has some stuff on here that is so, some people will see as being so outlandish. And I'm like, why not? Exactly. And you know yeah. what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you that I haven't shared on the podcast yet. And it's something really exciting that it's my big vision that's coming. And um, I'll tell you about it in a minute. But I'm the same as you. You know, I finished uni and I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm just going to work as a nurse. In fact, do you know what? When I qualified as a nurse, I said, I'm through with nursing. I don't want to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. I did. I went and got a job as a nurse and I've always been a nurse. But that's I was in the same kind of position as you. You know, I thought I've had enough of this. And yeah, I then went off traveling and, you know, I met my now ex-husband and we had a family, we moved overseas, but I was always curious. I'm always curious about everything and questioning and questioning. And it was only after my first, um, no, my second burnout experience 
that that spark was ignited in me that there was a lot more going on you know especially in my subconscious and that's when I went on this path of exploring personal development and studying all the coaching um. stuff that I've studied and you know it took me down that path but yeah back to my big vision I am um, I was sharing with Shannon before we started tonight I am doing Tony Robbins unleash the power within so it's the next four nights I'm going to be up all night doing that and I did his pre-work back in January and he was talking about a big audacious goal just like you were just talking about Shannon Uh so coming out of COVID we've obviously got this huge crisis on our hands Uh with the healthcare professionals especially the nurses and the podcast came about when COVID first hit because I was consumed with guilt being here in Australia and being in this little bubble that I'm in listening to all my colleagues back home and what they were facing and you know I thought I was trained by the NHS I thought do I get on a plane and go back to the UK and help out but the reality is I've got two children here who need their mom and I co-parent with their dad so you know I, I couldn't go and the podcast was my kind of idea to help them so I thought if I can promote self-care and help them with their mental health through this then I feel like I'm making some kind of contribution but my big audacious goal is there's 29 million nurses in the world I want to try and get the podcast to a million nurses by the end of the year just so that I can help them okay that's a great goal and by the time you finish Anthony Robbins class in four days. I'm sure that number is going to be five or 10 or 29 million. Yes, it will be. Um, that, yeah. And why, going for why can't you, Elena? Yeah, very true. Shana. You know, there's no reason why you can't get this podcast to 1 million, 10 million, 29 million nurses. Nurses' mental health is suffering. Okay. It was suffering before COVID. Okay. We're, you know, here in America, our billing falls under the room charge. Okay. That's mm-hmm. where nursing falls on your bill. Under the room charge. That's how much power we have. You know, how does that make us feel? Not so hot. That would be the same here, actually, I imagine, because it'll come under the hospital stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Uh, yet there are many of us who are scholars now running our own businesses. We have our doctorate degrees. We're doing all kinds of things from being consultants, expert witnesses, authors, speakers, podcast hosts, you know, bloggers, um, you know, more, more than bedside because bedside is so important. We know that everyone, every nurse needs her experience and get needs to get her feet wet by the bedside. No doubt about it. But there's so many other ways that we can branch off into multiple businesses, you know, and I think that, you know, mental health is starting to become more of a focus in general. More and more people are talking about it. It's not like the silent killer so much anymore. So that's great. But we need it, you know, with with the focus on financials, value-based systems now, uh, value-based payment systems and shared risk and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It kind of takes out some of the benevolence of, of nursing 
you know, and if, if you want to kill a nurse's passion more than anything in your organization, start talking finances and you'll kill their drive right there. Now we know that's needed. We know we have to get paid. We know we need our jobs and we want to, we want to know we want to give efficient care. We want to give the best care. We want to give it at the best price for the best outcomes. We know that intellectually we know that, but for us, we're very client and patient centered before the other stuff, you know? So um, there's no reason why you can't do that. I, I, I challenge you to tell me what that number is after your four days with Anthony Robbins. And I think your listeners will be very interested to know also. Bet you anything in the next few, you know, episodes, you're going to be like, by the way. (laughs) I'll keep you posted after my immersion this weekend with Tony Robbins. If it makes you feel like super nervous to just speak it, like I've never shared this before. I can't believe I'm going to say this. That's the goal. Yeah, okay. I will keep you posted. I can't wait to hear. Yeah. But yeah, you know, as she said, you know, the mental health aspect, it's so important. And there's some stats from before COVID, you know, burnout in some areas was as high as 80%. And that's before all this happened. So, you know, we've got this huge it's another elephant in the room isn't it It nobody really wants to address the fact that nurses are burning out so it's a big exodus too of nurses you know who are yeah retired early just leaving the profession because they're like i just i just can't i can't do it anymore you know and the fear i can't imagine but then i sort i kind of can imagine like i sort of said i can't imagine graduating school going right into a COVID unit, which is what these nurses are doing. But when I graduated, it was the AIDS crisis. And I remember being scared to death to take care of an AIDS patient. I I remember my very first AIDS patient. I remember her name. I remember what room she was in. I remember getting peritoneal dialysis fluid on my forearm, my left forearm. And I remember going into the uh, scrub room and scrubbing my arm nearly raw with the betadine scrub. Also remember not telling a single soul. Yeah, I was more your era as well with the AIDS crisis. And I remember being very scared of it. I remember scrubbing for a bilateral hip replacement on an AIDS patient. And I was just so terrified. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's a naivety, is it? Or the, yeah. And I mean, you know, you understand you've it. You've got the no, transmission, you know, it's a different route of transmission, but it's still a method of transmission that you could catch it just like with COVID method of transmission. So you can have death with, you know, uh, at that time for sure. Cause they sure didn't know how to regulate the meds at that time. Yeah. So, and the, the thing about COVID now though, in the hospital, you're exposed to the most lethal, you know, strains because they're there. You know, they're the ones that are there. I know, like, I know the fear that I have. And when we closed the other week, when we went into lockdown, they were still doing some, they were doing um, level one and emergency level two surgery. So where I work, we were still doing some emergency level two. And I work in recovery. So obviously, I'm removing LMAs from patients and you're aerosolizing whatever is in there. You don't, and although we're in this situation we are here, we were in a lockdown because there was potentially an outbreak. And I remember just 
that week how scared I was and having to wear all that PPE again and because you're in that aerosol generating environment so yeah it's it is it's scary and that's even us like you know seasoned nurses like ourselves you mm-hmm. know, we just don't know and it, it's that unknown it creates a massive fear I think yeah it really does yeah it's the same when you know we do holding bay and patients come down and they're absolutely terrified of going under anesthetic and I always say it's all right you know it's the unknown and it's normal to be scared of that it's it's a normal human response to it so Mm -hmm. it really is yeah anyway we've digressed again but this is good I'm enjoying this conversation (laughs) so if you have one non-negotiable in your self-care what would it be sleep (laughs) sleep yeah oh we're so on the same page Shannon I think I gotta get my sleep. (laughs) There's so much cell regeneration that happens during your sleep. I'm always like, I listen to a lot of motivational stuff, you know, when I'm working and I'm not on the phone. I kind of have it in the background. And there's so many, you know, gurus out there like touting not getting sleep because they're grinding. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) you know, you don't know how stupid you sound because you need, you need that cellular repair happens when you're asleep. So uh, that's my non-negotiable. And I drink a lot of water. Yeah, that's, yeah. And how do you find work when you're working? Do you forget to drink water? Uh-uh. I, I, first of all, my area is right by the water fountain. I have that big, gi- ginormous thing. And I, I fill it up two or three times a day while I'm at work. And I'm really up to the bathroom every two hours. It's just part of it. And um I don't know. People might think I have urinary frequency. I don't care. No, you're I also well have hydrated. hydrated skin. <laughs> Your cells are happy. <laughs> yes, and so are my kidneys. Yeah, I am. Um, I've had to set a reminder on my phone to remind myself to drink when I'm at work because yeah, I'm busy. In it's the so busy. Yeah, but I crave water. I I love water. I drink a big glass right before I go to bed. If I get up in the middle of the night, I have some right by my bed. I drink it first thing in the morning. That's what I want is water. So I'm just kind of conditioned to do that. And it's become a part of my routine. Awesome. So what would you like to share with the nursing community, my listeners, in regards to caring for the LGBTQ plus community? If you could share just like one or two key pieces of information with us okay yeah there's 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 many and i have you know whole courses on that so we can um, put the link to the courses if they're online in the show you can put my email on my uh, website and then people can give me their email and i can let them know when the book comes out when the course and everything um but one thing that's really important is when you're dealing with this population there are individuals who exist beyond the binary of male and female. These are called non-binary people, gender non-conforming people, transgender people. Now, it doesn't mean that something is wrong with them. It doesn't mean that they have a mental illness. It doesn't mean that they are confused by any means. It just means that they don't feel like they fit into the box of male or female our binary system, our heteronormative system. So as a result of that, some of these individuals may have pronouns that are different than he, 
or she. They may go by gender neutral pronouns, which means that they don't feel like they belong in male or female category, like they or them. Here in America, this has been an accepted term that's now in our dictionary. They, them can refer to a singular person. I'm going to take them their phone. I'm going to take them their phone, which is one person. Now, here's the thing about these individuals. Pronouns are super, super important, okay? And what we need to do is learn to normalize this. This is becoming more common here in America. People are putting it in their signatures. I have she, her, hers in my signature. And it just shows respect. It shows culture, humility, shows that you're cool with it. Someone comes to you and you're not really sure which we never really are sure, are we? Because we don't know what's between the hips. We don't. We might think we do, but we don't. So even when you're unsure, you should never assume a person's pronoun. It's quite all right to ask them what their pronoun is. If you're dealing with a non-binary, gender non-conforming, transgender person, that person's going to appreciate that you ask them. I simply say, hey, Elena, my name is Shannon. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. What's yours? And Elena's going to say, oh, my pronouns are, what's your pronouns, Elena? She, her, and hers. There you go. And I'll say, nice to meet you. Now, I know to refer to Elena as she or her. Now, let's say, for instance, you have someone come to see you as a nurse. They are dressed in a dress and heels, yet present masculine with Adam's apple, deep voice, mustached beard, eyeshadow, nails, breasts, talks masculine, like that might cause you to trip up a little bit. Not really sure what you should do. You do just what I did right now. Hi, my name's Shannon. I'm going to be the nurse taking care of you today. My pronouns are she and her. What are yours? That person's going to tell you. Then you're going to say, how would you like to be addressed? That's awesome. Yes. And you know, it's something I've just recently learned about these pronouns mm-hmm. through a personal experience. And until then, and this is only this year, aware that Mm -hmm. they existed so yes I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are very appreciative of that well it really it's generational like younger folks they know this stuff it's us old farts who don't we didn't grow up asking pronouns every intake form is she or her or him every form is binary only EMRs are binary Mm -hmm. you know Um, we live in a heteronormative society. We know that as gay person. I know that I'm not trying to change that, but, but when you see someone in in, like that description, that's happened before, you know, um, what you're, what you're not going to say is, are you a man or a woman? I know in the past, if I had had a patient like that in front of me, I would have been really confused and, and frightened. I was going to upset them by saying the wrong thing. Exactly. It's about saying the wrong thing. So when you have your pronouns out there and you say, what's your pronouns? How would you like to be addressed? So you don't even want to get into the pronoun thing. Okay. Shannon, I can't ask that. I just feel too weird. How would you like to be addressed? And this person may tell you uh, their name is Sandra and they may, their voice might be as deep as Denzel Washington's. It's not your decision to decide or to determine 
what that person's pronoun is. It's theirs. Yeah. And they want to be addressed as Sandy or Sammy. That's how you address them. Not what you think, not how they present to you physically, not what your mind says. Well, that's a girl. That's a boy. That's no, 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 no. Just get that out of your head. It's what they tell you it is. And there's no right and wrong answer to it when they tell you. You accept what they tell you. Now, let's say, for instance, Elena, you tell me your pronouns are he and him, but you've got a female named, right, Elena, and you look feminine to me, but you just told me your pronouns are he and him. So I'm going to say, nice to meet you. How would you like for me to, how would you like to be addressed? And you might say, Ellen, mm. right? Elliot, yeah. right? Ellen just became Elliot, right? You yeah. know what I'm talking about? He's trans now, trans men now. So it's what you tell me, not what I see. Not what I see, but what you tell me. Now, let's say, for instance, we've been talking for a while and I'm still looking at you as Elena and she, when you told me it's he and it's Elliot, because maybe in Australia, you can't change your name to Elliot. In my state of home state of Tennessee, you can't change your name if you're trans in New York, you can, but in, in Tennessee, you can't. So let's say, for instance, that I make a mistake. Instead of calling you Elliot, I call you Elena. And then you say, I'm sorry, my name is Elliot. I told you my name was Elliot. How do I get out of that? What do I say? What I say is, thank you, Elliot, for correcting me. I didn't mean to misgender you. Yeah. And then, this is very important. I want your listeners to really hear me. And then keep the conversation moving. Don't make it the thing. Don't make it the thing. Okay, because Elliot doesn't want to talk about his pronouns all day. He just wants to get care. All right. Now, let's say, for instance, Elliot doesn't correct me, but I know that I made a mistake. I'm still going to say, excuse me, Elliot, I didn't mean to misgender you. And then keep the conversation moving. That person will appreciate that. Don't make it the thing. Don't make it the theme. That's wonderful advice. Thank you, Shannon. Sure. It takes practice. You're going to mess up. I've misgendered people. Feels horrible. It's just how do you get out of it? You know, how do you, you don't, you don't want to go, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. I really, I'm really cool. I really, you know, I really don't mind that you said it was Elliot. I mean, you told me it was Elliot, but then I was thinking Elena and you told me it was a he, but I was like looking, thinking it was she. And I, I know you're saying you're, mm -hmm. Elliot doesn't want to hear that. They really don't. Just, I didn't mean to misgender you. Thank you for Yeah, move me. on. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you. Sure. And if you'd like to know more, you know, I have my YouTube channel that have a lot of videos on there. I'm going to have um, a book. I don't know if any of your uh, listeners are following me. I put a video out this morning about how long it's taken me to edit my book. It's kind of fun. You have to watch it. Um, but I'm going to be releasing my book, LGBTQ ABCs for Grownups. And it goes into various you know, let's say like 101, LGBTQ 101, like what do the letters stand for? What do the colors of the flag stand for? Why do we talk about pronouns? What are the symbols? What does trans mean? What does bi mean? What, you know, what does this new terminology mean? And it goes into what you can do to be an ally or an advocate. 
for this population. It's really simple stuff. It's a really quick read. And I'm going to be offering, you know, a uh, free audio version. So if your listeners want to send me their email, I can put them on the list for pre-sale and uh, let them know when it's coming out. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. And I'd love to get a copy of it too, because, you know, as an old season nurse, we didn't learn about this back in the 90s when I was studying. And as you say, you know, it's all evidence-based practice and we should be current and up to date. So I think this is a, an amazing resource for any of us who are unsh- unsure about what it all means. You know, like you said, you know, some people don't even know what the, the letters stand for. So yeah, what a fabulous resource you're offering. Thank you for bringing that to the world and to the nurses, because we are the ones at the point of care looking after this community. Exactly. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today and to talk with you, Elena. It's been wonderful talking to folks in the, the down under. <laughs> but actually, it's going to be pretty soon that we're going to be talking like internationally because Elena's podcast is going to reach millions of nurses. It sure is. It's already um, in the UK and the US as well because I'm part of the Health Podcast Network, so it goes out there oh that's fantastic that is fantastic so yeah they're jumping on board to help me with my mission thank you to dan at the network hi dan yeah yeah we will reach a million nurses probably more after my weekend with tony so uh yes that's a guarantee it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you shannon thank you so much for your time and i look forward to speaking to you again soon thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening today Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others.